another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream And you can Hi folks, this is Jack Spierka with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Today is Thursday, November the 4th, actually Friday, November the 14th. Uh, this is episode 93 of the Survival Podcast, and as always, this is one man's opinion, and you are welcome to provide me your feedback through various methods. Uh, I dictate this show today, as almost always, on a 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas, from my personal mobile studio. If you do want to send me feedback and keep this thing a conversation rather than a, a dissertation or a lecture, please do so even when I make mistakes and I will make mistakes at times I usually admit them usually I am human sometimes I have a little bit of pride like anyone else uh, but you can send me feedback a variety of ways one is go directly to the survivalpodcast.com and comment on my blog and it makes the most sense if you're going to do that to if you're commenting about a given episode if you're listening to something maybe I recorded before or you know do it in the future you know comment on the individual episode in question uh, that'll help me know exactly what it is that you're talking about. If you want to send me personal emails, you can do that as well. I do not publish it on the site for fear of getting even more spam than I already do, but I will give it to you over the air as the friends that we are. And it's pretty simple to figure out. It's jack at the survivalpodcast.com. And uh, last but certainly not least, probably best, is to uh, get involved at the forum, uh, which is at the survivalpodcast.com slash forum, or you can just go to the survivalpodcast.com and you'll see the most recent forum post and you can link into the form from there. They'll be up in the upper left-hand corner. That's how you can send me feedback, give me suggestions for new shows and other things uh, like that. Uh, today's topic is going to be kind of interesting. I'm going to talk a little bit about mental and physical conditioning. I'm going to talk a little bit about training with firearms, and I'm going to talk a little bit about methods of self-defense, unarmed self-defense, or even armed self-defense when you don't have a weapon, a little bit of martial arts stuff. Um, it's going to be kind of a variety show in that respect. There's any one of these I can probably drill down into and do more in-depth and probably will in the future, but I want to keep this show interesting and moving today. And honestly, when I woke up this morning, an hour ago, I didn't know what I was going to talk about today, so uh, I don't have an outline. I don't have notes. This will all be shooting from the hip as I so often uh, force myself to do with my limited time schedule. Before that, though, hopefully you paid attention earlier this week when I told you that we had a new sponsor for the Listener Appreciation Contest, and that is SOE Tactical Gear with John Willis. And uh, John is a really creative entrepreneur. And uh, he's come out with something that I think is just awesome. And what they are is Christmas stockings that are tactical appearing. In other words, they're in camo. The top of them are either pink or red. All the ones I have to give out are red. That way they'll fit men or women. And uh, they have little harness things on them, just like a, a, a tactical vest might. Velcro up on the top where you can put like military-style name tags or Velcro other things to them. And then they're just a big old stocking. Uh, I also came up with an idea. We're working on finding a place to ship them, folks, where you can go out and buy them, or if you win one and want to donate it, you could do it that way. Uh, where you can stuff them up with goodies and send them off, and we're calling it Stockings for Soldiers. They think the soldiers that are overseas right now would really get a kick out of receiving something like this. And trust me, as a veteran, when you get something like that, it's always cool. Uh, but today, I'm going to give away the first group of them. Now, John sent me 15. I'm going to give away four today. 
Alright, so there's a lot of chances to win. We did this before, this is how we're going to do this now. Number one, if you have not registered in the Listener Appreciation Contest, you need to. You cannot win. If I can't find your email address or your name in the Listener Appreciation Contest list, you will not be qualified to win, even if you come up as the winner. So if you haven't joined, you better go join before you do the rest of this. You might want to do that now. I'll give you a couple seconds to go register survivalpodcast.com click on listener appreciation contest and that just says that you're willing to tell other people about our show if you blog you do it in blogs if you're in forums you do it in forums if you don't do either one you tell somebody face to face mouth to mouth say hey man look I found this guy I think his show's cool check it out here's how to get to his show any of those methods and, and you're on the honor system with that and you can win these various prizes and I got some really cool stuff coming folks alright I'm talking some high end gear that people are starting to donate to this contest uh, that we'll be announcing next week, and even some private donations uh, that aren't really more of a sponsorship. They're just, hey, look, I got something cool. I'm not using it. I think your listeners might dig it. So I got some stuff like that coming too. So this is going to be a regular thing here, maybe a couple times a week. But the way that you're going to win today, you're going to be in the database as someone who's already entered the contest. You are going to send me an email. Listen carefully. If you do not follow instructions exactly, I will disqualify your email. You will send your email to Jack at the survivalpodcast.com. You will put a code word in the subject line. You will not put code word and then the subject word. You will put one word and one word only in the subject line. It will be stockings. That is all. If it's anything else, you're disqualified. You will send me that email. You will, in the body of the email, tell me your first name, your last name, and the email address you used to register for the contest, just like we did with the iPod when somebody won the iPod. I will give away a stocking to the following people. The very first email that I receive that way will get one. The fifth email I receive that way will get one. The 15th email I receive that way will get one. And the 20th email I receive that way will get one. So there's a lot of opportunities to win. There's about 500 people registered for the contest right now. Uh, So the odds that everybody's listening, what have you. Now, if you've never registered for the contest before today, you might be behind the power curve on this giveaway. But remember, I've got 11 more of these to give away. I've got more prizes coming, so keep tuning into this thing and see what you can win going down the road, because I'm going to try to do this with a lot of cool different sponsors, uh, and it's a real cool way for them to get exposure for just donating some stuff, and it's a cool way for you guys to help me spread word about the show. So, because um, what I'm going to do, and this is what I always do, right before I publish this show, I will send a mass email out to my listeners who have already registered for the contest, just to tell them there is a contest in today's show, they're going to have a heads up. Still, with twenty, the 20th email winning, the last stocking, everybody has a chance. Uh, and the colors that I have are olive, camo, and kind of a, a little bit uh, brighter of a tactical green. If you want to put that color in the bottom, the, the body, not the subject line, just the body, I'll give you your choice, and uh, when we get down to the end, people will get what's left. So there we go. That's the listener contest. Again, uh, subject line, stockings, nothing else. If it says code word stockings, I'm throwing it away. If it says the code word is stockings, I'm throwing it away. If it says contest stockings, I'm throwing it away. You get my... Alright? This is how this we're going to run this thing. One more caveat. If you enter twice... 
Because somebody tried that last time, you lose. Disqualified. If you send more than one email, you are disqualified immediately. And uh, all decisions are final in this contest. Uh, now, these stockings, they retail for 25 bucks, so it's a pretty good little prize. Uh, I'll have four winners by the end of the day. My wife will send out the uh, prizes uh, over the weekend. So let's move on to the topic of today's show. Again, mental and physical conditioning, training methods with firearms, and unarmed self-defense. Let's start out with training methods with firearms. I want to talk a little bit about this. I'm going to preface this right now. If you're part of a group that has a nice facility like a warehouse or an old abandoned structure where you guys do like paramilitary training or law enforcement style training where you're doing entries or defenses and all this tactical stuff. I'm not putting you down right now. Alright? There's limitations to that type of training though for the survivalist. One, survivalists generally are more concerned with defense than tactical entries. Alright? Not saying there's not value in the training because there is. And I'm not saying you can't have somebody doing defense of the structure getting the same type of training. That's good too. Alright? But that's one issue. Two, that training doesn't help you put more game in the freezer, which is, you know, defense with a weapon is only one half of survivalist mission with a firearm. The other half of that is feeding yourself, and a lot of times that's the bigger piece. Okay? And third, to do that type of training, you need a group. And I don't really have a group available when I have some time to go out and do some shooting. So I take a different approach to my training, uh, especially like places up, my little place up in Arkansas where I can fire, uh, especially 22s with nobody really caring in my, what's my back, my five acres of a backyard with uh, all this hills and trees and structures. My favorite way to train with a firearm is to go out with a 22 handgun and a 22 rifle and a couple handfuls of the sporting clays that people shoot with shotguns out of traps. Little large ones. Okay, They're three inches in diameter, I believe, is their diameter. And I will then take them through kind of a course and I'll place them in places behind bushes where you have to thread a needle, so to speak, to, to make a shot. I'll place them in various angles, various positions, always making sure there's a good backstop behind them. So as I start to come through, I can focus on making the shot rather than worrying about what's behind the target since I've set them up. And once I get uh, two dozen of these things set up at various places, I'll go back to the very beginning of the course, so to speak, and I'll slowly stalk like I'm hunting squirrels or deer or anything else I might still hunt. And as I locate the targets that I've planted in, because I don't put them like hanging from a tree where they're easy to see, even though I've placed them there, it takes a little bit of effort sometimes to ID where they are. And I'll move into positions as though it was a squirrel and I had to be quiet about it. And when I get into a position where I can take a shot, I'll look at it and go, do I think I can make this shot with my handgun? If I do, I'll take the shot with a handgun. If I miss it, I might take a second shot. If I do that, then I'll go ahead and maybe take the shot with a rifle. And I'll go through, and at various ranges, I'll take a shot with a rifle, take shots with pistols, and I'll just do that. That's a good day of fun. It costs almost nothing because, you know, you spend a box of 22 shells and, uh, you know, 30, 30 to 50 uh, clay birds. You're, you're talking less than five bucks. And 
the big reason I like to do this, more than going to like a rifle range or something like that, is you end up using trees, leaning against a tree for a rest, laying on uneven ground, bending yourself around a rock, dealing with a stick pushing up into your ribs, okay? Dealing with a mosquito in your ear, dealing with dirt on your face, dirt on your hands, which is exactly what you deal with when you go out and you hunt for real. And this type of training, I believe, has an immense advantage if you ever end up in a tactical situation alone. Because in a tactical situation alone, you're not going to be able to kick doors down, have somebody cover in your six, all that good stuff. Again, I'm not putting that stuff down. And if you have a group of guys that can get together and do it, I mean, it's fun stuff. I've done it. I did it in the military. I've done it post-military. It's really fun to do with airsoft and shoot each other, okay, uh, because you get more realism that way. But again, if you're by yourself on a Saturday afternoon, you may not have that ability. And again, that's great training for tactical entries, tactical defenses, but it's not really very good training for having to put a shot in the exact right spot. You're worried about taking down an assailant. You put two, three rounds into him where he's big as center of mass. right? You're taking a shot at a deer, and you're kind of having to guide it through some trees, and you're having to think in your head, that deer's lungs are there. He's angling away. If I shoot a little far back, that round's going to pass through that type of thing. There's the squirrel's tail. Where's his head? Okay, there's his eyeball in the scope. That's how you hunt. So this training that I'm talking about is more for hunting. Uh, but I found it to be very, very enjoyable. A great way to spend an hour or two on a weekend. And uh, very, very realistic. And limited only by your own creativity. You can make the, challenge, the shots as challenging or as easy as you want. Which kind of leads me to my next point. You're a gun guy. You have a wife, a girlfriend, what have you. Not really into guns. You'd like her to share one of the things that you really enjoy, which is shooting with firearms. You have two ways that you can introduce her and start training her to get more involved with the sport. Running around in camouflage in a tactical course, shooting at targets that look like humans... Which, if she'll do that, great. God bless you for finding one that will. That's wonderful. That's awesome. All right? Or, leisurely shooting at little orange clays in the woods. It's a much softer experience. It's a much easier way to start taking a person from standing at a fixed distance in a standard rifle range or with a with a bench, right, or in the you know perfect prone position. You want to teach people those fundamentals first before you do either type of training. But when you want to move that new person into a next level, generally, especially with females, you're going to have a better time or an easier time to get them involved with this type of shooting. They'll find it fun. They'll find it enjoyable. And it's not about, you know, in, 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 we don't train tactical so that we can kill somebody. We train tactical that, God forbid, we ever end up in a situation where we have to defend ourselves or somebody else. We know what to do. But to a lot of people that are new to shooting, you put up a man-shaped target, that's where they're like, I don't want this, right? So it's, it's, it's another easy way to train people. And then again, you're trying to train up a son or a daughter, new shooters, a brother-in-law, and you want to take them out hunting in the field, it's a much more productive way to train. So it's not the only way to train. It's not a superior way to train. It's just a way to train that I don't think a lot of people do. 
they don't avail themselves of it. And if you start taking shots at 75 to 100 yards with a 22 rifle in the woods, having to thread it, compensate for bullet drop, deal with wind, deal with the situations you're in, a 200-yard shot across the canyon at an elk is, is, is a breeze with a 306. Same thing. You, you're taking 40, 50-yard shots with, a, with an open-sided 22 revolver or like a like I, mine's a Ruger Mark II semi-auto 22, and you can start making 30, 40, 50 yard shots on clay birds with that. Then you put a 357 or a 44 Magnum revolver in your hands, and 100 yard shots start to become pretty easy on deer sized game. So it's a very effective way of training. So that's one of the things I wanted to talk about today. The next is going to be some physical conditioning ideas. Um, I, I came up with a way to stay in shape that I wish I really did more of it now than I, than I do. Uh, but when I did it, it worked very, very well. It actually took very little time, and uh, really, it's the, we've moved to a place where I don't have the, the the stuff that I built for myself or the stuff set up anymore. And uh, because of that, I just haven't got around to doing it with all the other things that I do. But it involves the following exercises, and only the following exercises: pull-ups, and not marine pull-ups. Okay, not the overhanded ones, the underhanded ones. I'll get to why in a second. And again. When I say I do something a certain way, I'm not putting down the other way. I get why people do overhanded pull-ups. All right? Dips, all right, which is, you know, two parallel bars, and you're lowering and raising your body using your arms, your biceps, your shoulders. Hitting a heavy bag, all right, heavy boxing bag, and walking, carrying weight. That's it. That's absolutely it. And I'll explain each of them and the why behind them now. Let's start out with pull-ups and dips. The reason I say to do them underhanded is, one, if you're new to them, first of all, you'll be able to do more, and you'll be more likely to get up to a reasonable number of repetitions sooner. Okay? Two, what I'm looking to do here with these exercises is not become really strong in my trapezoids and my triceps and my my wrists and everything else. I'm looking for full body conditioning. The reason it's easier to do a pull-up underhanded than overhanded is more muscle groups are involved. When you go to an overhand grip, you isolate certain muscles, and that's why it's more difficult. You're putting more strain on less muscles. It's good if you want to target them and make them stronger. Good reasons for doing that. On the other hand, when you put your hand underhand and you reach, now you're engaging a great deal more muscles. The forearm is able to do a lot more work. The wrist is able to do a lot more work. The shoulder, the bicep, even the, you know, you think of the bicep coming down, but the tricep actually takes, takes an isometric roll on the back side. The, the pect, uh, pectoral muscles, the deltoids, all of these muscles get involved because there's more muscles involved. You have more equipment to bear, right, so to speak, the, the, the weight, you get an easier to do rep. It's still not easy if you're not used to doing them. But if you do a certain number of them every day, now you've involved all of those uh, muscle groups. It's exactly why, if you and if you wanted to add another weight, if you wanted to add a weightlifting exercise to this regime, it would be squats. Same reason. Squats use those huge uh, quads, you know, your quads, your calves. They use more muscles, your back. And it gets the whole body involved.
involved. So you can do less repetition and get more result from a total body conditioning. I'm not saying you'll be stronger. Just to be clear, for those of you guys that are proud of that, you can do 50 regular straight hand pull-ups, all right? So how many do you do? My, my goal for you, if you can't already do 50, is to be able to do 50. Not in one set. Your goal should be initially to get up to be able to do five sets of ten underhand pull-ups. And these pull-ups shouldn't be just your chin over the bar, the top of your chest, right, right above the nipple, you know, maybe two inches above the nipple, folks, should touch the bar, hands to the chest touching the bar. And you can, like, as you get better at them, vary. You do some of them with your hands very close and some further, further apart to give some variance. It's a good thing to do. But start out with just a little bit inside of your shoulders with your grip and just try to bring down and touch your chest to your to kind of where your hands are on the bar. I'm about to give you the next thing about this. Do not go get a nice, thin, metal chin-up bar and put it up somewhere the way that so many people do, the way you see at so many gyms. What you want to do is go cut a tree that's thick enough for your bar that you can't quite get your thumb and your fingers together. You want to, If you make a C with your hand and your thumb and your fingers are almost straight, come about you know a quarter inch in on each side, that's about how big of a branch you want. Use that as your chin-up bar. Why? Why do such a thing? Because now you're being natural. Because if you go somewhere and you have to pull yourself up onto something, right, the human body has to adapt to the situation. And because it's a tree, it's natural. I just believe in making things as natural as possible. Polished steel is created by man. A tree is created by God, the universe, the spirit, whatever you believe. All right? And I won't ever really bring belief here because it's up to you what you believe. But there's a certain reality to nature. All right? And in time, your hand will create for itself a perfect uh pull-up bar, because your, your hand will actually carve into it, into the bark, into things like that. What tree to use? Birch works really good for this. Maple. Anything smooth. You really don't want to use, like, oak or anything with a rough bark. So you might have to do some scavenging to find a good piece of wood to do this with. But use a tree. Cut a tree from the ground. Put it up there while it's green. You'd be surprised. It'll hold just fine if you get a thick enough one like I'm talking about. Alright? Now, dips. Dips, same thing. You want to get up to be able to do 50 and five sets of ten. All right? The same thing. Build your dip bars. I don't care if you build the frame that holds them up with two-by-fours or four-by-fours or whatever, but your two bars, build them with trees. Okay? Smooth bark, thick trees. Make them even thicker. Okay, then your, your pull-up bar. Make them where, if you make your hand into like a C where your fingers are almost straight on both sides, make them almost that thick. Because if you ever have to push yourself up onto something, again, your hand's going to have to adapt. And usually a tree tapers, so this, the cool thing is you can move as you do your dips and change your grip and exactly how it is and what you're working around. All right? So again, five, uh, five sets of ten pull-ups, five sets of ten dips. You can, you can I, I would vary this. Too like one day you do ten pull-ups, ten dips, ten pull-ups, ten dips, ten pull-ups, ten dips. The next day you do ten pull-ups, ten pull-ups, ten pull-ups, ten pull-ups. Right till you're done with your fifty, then go to dips. Change it around. Do two sets of pull-ups and two sets of dips. Two sets of pull-ups, two sets of dips. One set of pull-ups, one sets of dips. But you only need to do fifty a day of each. It's all you need to do. Now you get to where you can do them easily. All right, you have a couple choices. 
go up to six, seven, eight sets, what have you. Or let me challenge you for a minute. Let's say you've gotten good at this, or when you start doing this, you're already well-conditioned and you can do this, and you do your pull-ups in this type of a repetition. One, two, three, four, five, about that fast. Up, down, up, down, up, down, right? Change your cadence. Do them like this. Up, down, up, down. Slow down your repetitions. You'll be surprised at how much more effort it will require. Focus on your form. Don't use your back. Let your body hang dead weight. And, you know, go up in reps if you want to. Maybe go to five sets of 12. You do whatever you like. This isn't, you know, I'm not Jane Fonda. Okay? I'm not Jane Fonda. I'm not Richard Simmons. I'm like, got two more! No, the hell with that, right? But your body will tell you when it's ready to go to the next step. Well, let's say you say, well, Jack, I can't do five sets of 10 pull-ups. Just ain't going to happen. A couple different things you can do. One, do 10 sets of five. All right? Can't do 10 sets of five. Do five sets of five. Can't do five sets of five. Do five sets of two. Do it every day until you can do five sets of three. So you can do five sets. You just start somewhere. I don't care if it's one. Another thing you can do is when you're doing, if you get a person to be your partner, when you're doing your pull-ups, bend your knees, overlap one foot over the other. Have somebody stand behind you and spot you just like you do with a weight. Put their hands underneath your feet and lift just enough to help you get through your reps until you get started and start to build some conditioning. Trust me, if you do these two exercises, you'll be surprised of a couple things. One, how quickly your body will adapt. And that's what this is really about. Making your body adapt to itself. That's why I'm a big believer in body weight exercise over physical weight exercise. In other words, instead of a machine with a tension rod or a dead weight or picking up a free weight, what you're doing with these two exercises is moving your own body weight. I'm not a huge fan of push-ups and there's a certain way to do them. I'll talk about another show that I like them. But push-ups I've seen cause so much injury to the the shoulders of soldiers and marines over time because they do tons of push-ups in the military. And I've seen more rotator cuff injuries from the push-up than anything else from high repetition push-ups. The other thing about a push-up is it's only moving a certain portion of your body weight where these two exercises move at all. Brings me to the next way to up the ante. Get yourself a vest or a pack. Load it up with 40 to 50 pounds of weight once you can do 50 easily. Put extra weight on your body. These two exercises alone, even in this low repetition, 10, uh, 10, uh, 10 times, five, rep, 5 sets of 10 reps every day, you'll lose weight. Bet you. Do whatever you're doing now. Continue, you know, if, as long as you're not real skinny and lean already. Just keep doing whatever you're doing now and add this to it. Don't eat more food. Keep your diet where it is. You'll lose weight. Uh, and I, like I said, I'll bet on that. The next uh, exercise that I have here is hitting a heavy bag. And it can be a heavy bag that hangs. It can be one of these ones with a water base that sits up. Heavy bag, focus instead of on the jabs and the high punches, body punches. Arms low, punch, punch, a couple overhand. But keep working that low underhand punch, just like a boxer's body blow. Run about one minute. Low speed, easy, just boom, boom, just warming your body up. Then go to town on the bag for 30 seconds, all right? 
let it once you get your heart rate up and you hit a bag hard for 30 seconds will push your heart up way up more than running a sprint once you run 30 seconds with that take a deep breath go back softly tap the bag for a minute 30 seconds high intensity go through that cycle five times if you can go more you might want to go a little more don't go too much more all right Try to, if you need more intensity, try to up your intensity in those 30-second bursts. Do that every day. And then several times a week, take a walk. That's it. Take a walk. Now, here's my caveat with that. If you can find a hilly location, walk in a hilly location. If you can find a place where you can walk off of pavement on gravel and uh, places where your feet have to maneuver, all right, and grip, and you have to focus. You have to, sometimes walking down a hill requires more isometric effort from your legs uh, than up a hill in certain ways because you have to hold your body back. The big thing to do with this, though, is add weight. Get yourself a pack. Carry 30 pounds to start out if that's all you can do. Move it to 50. Try to get up to carrying, you know, for, for a man, you should be able to carry somewhere around 70 pounds of weight for a two-mile walk. You really should be able to do that with a good pack that balances well, things like that. Don't worry if people look at you like you're a freak because you're walking through a park with a backpack on. All right, you're doing this for you, not for them. All right? Women, you should be able to get up in the 40-pound, 50-pound range. I, I mean it. I know not, not tomorrow morning. But in time, you should be able to work yourself into that. You do those four exercises, the pull-ups, the dips, and the heavy bag, every day. And, and once you get good at them and you can actually knock them out, you can knock that out 15 to 20 minutes a day. That's it. Take a walk three times a week under burden. And you'll be in better physical shape than 99% of America. And that's all it'll take. And that'll help with the next thing I want to talk about, mental conditioning. Mental conditioning is all these things. When you're out in the woods, laying on the ground with your 22 handgun, trying to make a shot that's actually really difficult because you force, force yourself into it. This is what I talked about in the other show, about being in the moment. Your mind is focused on that. That's what you're thinking about. That's what you're doing. All right, And you're not doing anything else. And because of that, you have mental focus and mental clarity at that point. That's a big part of your mental conditioning right there. It's just having these things that you do. Gardening, planting seeds. All right, Huge part of it. Another thing I want you to be aware of, and always do though, this is just day-to-day bolted into your life, is constantly look for new ways to do things and ways to solve problems. All right. When you sit down to do something you've done a hundred times, look at it for just a second and go, is there another way to do this? Maybe not even a better way. All right, Just another way. The more times you do that, you're actually training your brain. And and we've learned from science that these things in the brain called synapses, which are the actual connections that make thought possible, that transmit information from one portion of the brain or one brain cell to the next, that allow thinking and cognitive activity. Right? You have the ability, most people always thought you formed the majority of your synapses as a child. And we've learned now that old people can form new synapses by challenging their brain. So challenge your brain. Challenge it in everything that you do. And I try to do this. I try to live my life this way. I have a buddy of mine named Hal Dodd. Hal's a fishing guide on Joe Pool Lake. Hal taught me how to do what's called hell pet for white bass. Maybe someday I'll tell you how to do it. It's a good technique. I started fooling with it. I did all kinds of other things. None of them quite worked this good. I'm sure he scratched his head and went, man, I showed you the way. 
Why do you got to go out and try to improve it? And I come up with all these different everything he showed. I come up with some new form of it, some new way to do it. Sometimes uh, it would work really good, and most of the time it didn't work so good. And I'm sure you're like, what, what the hell are you doing? Well, Hal, if you're listening to what I'm doing, it's exercising my mind. I'm trying to see if there's another way. I'm also understanding as a survivalist that all the things I need to do it the proper way, the perfect way, may not always be available. So if I was limited and some of the components I needed to do something were missing, how would I do it then? Or I take something like you know, gardening with a greenhouse and go, well, the greenhouse has a roof. A roof has water that lands on in the form of rain. If I put a collection barrel off the greenhouse, now the greenhouse does one additional thing to be self-sufficient for itself. The, all these things that you hear me talk about, that's that mental conditioning. It's a big part of why I do this show. I have to think every day, what the hell am I going to talk to these people about? All right, I've done 93 shows now. What the hell is going to be next? How much information can I get into my head? Well, I haven't reached a limit yet, and I plan not to. And it's going to be because I keep conditioning my mind as much as I condition my body. In fact, more so. Your mind is your most valuable survival weapon. Condition your mind. It's also important you can't condition your body. Notice I didn't tell you, do a thousand pull-ups a day. Quit your job, stay home, and do nothing but pull-ups. You do that, you'll die. You'll put your body under so much stress. There's a limit to how much exercise muscles can take before they need recovery. The same thing with your mind. Every once in a while, you have to fully unplug. Now, I do that by fishing and hunting, but sometimes I just drink a beer on my deck and don't think about anything. When something comes into my head, I just kill it. I used to be kind of into the whole meditational thing. It didn't really work out for me. I think there's a lot of good in it for people that can do it, but you have to have the mental discipline to do it, and it has to be right for you. And I think that's important with any exercise, any any you know, handgun. You, when you go pick a handgun, you pick one that's right for you. You go pick a rifle, you pick one that's right for you. You pick a fishing rod, you pick one that's right for you, not one that's right for me. Alright? So, so I think mental conditioning and mental relaxation has to be the same way. You have to figure out what works for you. And for me, it's usually sitting out, propping my feet up, drinking a beer, watching the birds in the yard. I used to have a fish tank. Watching fish was always a good good thing to do because uh, they don't care. You could have the worst day in the world. The whole economy could be breaking down. As long as you throw some flakes in there, they're good to go. All right, so just take a, a, a brief moment every once in a while and unplug. And you know what, I, I think that's going to actually wrap up today's show. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about some unarmed combat stuff and some martial arts, but as I started to think about that, I realized that the things that I want to tell you about that are some pretty deep things, and without having a video or anything, require quite a bit of detail to explain. And uh, I even have some things I recommend you check out. I'll, I'll give you some information on that next week. I'll do a show on that. And uh, I'll kind of wrap up here with those thoughts. Mental conditioning, training with firearms, and uh, physical conditioning. And try my little four-exercise workout. It'll surprise you. Try building pull-up bars and dip bars from trees. And, and you know, the, I remember when I was in the Army, and we went to Honduras. Myself and another uh, soldier did this. And I got this from my dad. My dad taught me this. Uh, we built dip bars and pull-up bars out of trees. And then we built weights. We had a weight bench. 
uh, and we built the weights from these metal poles, and we used huge these huge uh, uh, lug nuts that go on helmets as stop collars, and we welded them on this pipe. We put another steel rod inside the pipe, welded it shut to add weight to the pipe, and then we took plate steel, and we took garbage cans, and we drew plates, and we built a weight set from a torch, and, and, and we built a, uh, a weight bench from scrap plywood and two-by-fours in the camp, and we actually made this bench to a point where it did inclines, declines, and flat benches, and we even built a rack bar where if you had to go work, work out by yourself for a little bit, you could. All right. We had this this guy that was at the was with the MPs that were there with us, and he was this big, huge, muscular guy. And he used to talk about us working out all the time. And I mean, this guy was big. This guy was a guy that could have competed in like bodybuilder things. And uh, about six foot four, and just huge, broad shoulders, big arms. And he used to laugh at our workouts. Well, I said one day, I said, "Why don't you come down and work out with us with our you know rigged up stuff?" And the MPs had actually brought in like they had a tent with all this really high end equipment, and uh, they kind of came in later and. And uh, into the deployment, so we had already built our little, you know, jerry rig stuff, and we just didn't feel right. I think they would have let us in there, but we just didn't feel right, and we were happy with what we had. So he shows up one evening after everybody's done working to work out with us. He went through the weight lifting with us. I think he was surprised at the challenge that this narrow, wobbly bench added to doing the weightlifting, but he did fairly well. When we got done with the weightlifting, we said, okay, now it's time for dips and pull-ups. He said, after weightlifting? He said, absolutely. And the first time he had to do the pull-ups, he did okay. We went from pull-ups over to dips for a first set of dips, and he crumbled, and he was done, and he left. Okay? This type of exercise is different than what you might have experienced before. And people that can reach up and grab that perfect, you know, round bar and knock out pull-ups at high speed, you put them on a big, thick, bulky, the gives, because a tree is going to flex. So I used to use a, a green tree, not a solid piece of cured oak that bends and flexes. And all of a sudden, you say, don't cheat, don't bounce, just do a pull-up, and it's a new experience for them. It might be a new experience for you. I even have a cool way to do sit-ups that maybe I'll talk about as well, underweight. Uh, but that'll be another show as well. So hopefully this has given you some ideas, some practical things that you can do. If you don't want to hit bags, you don't want to do pull-ups, you don't want to do sit-ups, even if you don't want to carry a pack, take a walk once a day. You know, walk for 30 minutes, especially up and down hills. You'll be surprised. It's probably the best thing that you can do for yourself. And, uh, again, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival podcast helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't you can scream and you can holler it really doesn't matter cause it all gets spent